1: My husband responded back in a text that um, that he is not to move forward with having anyone install um, our fence again. We would. Um, I can see things are not going forward. well here. So what
2: happened? Did he go move forward and get? I can see your 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 look here. You're like shocked at something you're looking at. So let's see what's happening. Um, ooh, and the police got called.
3: These are the plaintiffs, Monique Brown Mercado and Chris Mercado. Monique says their neighbor damaged their fence with her car and they hired someone to fix it. Well, the fence guy ended up doing a horrible job. The thing is an eyesore now in the neighborhood. And they are seeking the $495 they need to fix the fence correctly. These are the defendants Lloyd and Donna Bailey. Lloyd says his neighbors are trying to take advantage of them, and $495 to replace one fence post is highway robbery. They fixed their fence, it looked perfect, and they owe nothing, neighbor or no neighbor. They're accused of not mending fences. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Million in our forum, the
4: People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Million is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor.
2: Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay. Um, let me first speak with you, the plaintiffs, Ms. Brown Mercado and Mr. Mercado. Um, what is it that happened here that caused this problem with your
1: neighbors? So on the evening of October 27th, Mrs. Bailey, um, she backed into our driveway accidentally. Um, she, she hit our fence post. Um, she- And is she your next door neighbor? Yes, she is
2: our next door neighbor. Okay. And so she knocked on your door and spoke to your husband.
1: Yes. Yes. She explained that she hit the fence. It was an accident. Um, My husband went outside, um, looked at the damages, um, and we took some photos. My husband took some photos of it, and and he said that he would get in touch with her after we spoke to Rose Fence, who initially put in the fence, um, to let us know how much it would cost to fix it. Um, Mrs. Bailey was kind enough. She reached out to me by text and said um, she wanted to talk to me when I got home. So when I got home, um, she uh, met me outside and she showed me where she hit the fence. And, you know, initially we're like, look, you're okay. Our kids are okay. That was most important to us. And we said that no problem. We will um, reach out to uh, Rose Fence to find out exactly how much it would cost. So that happened on October 27th. On November first, um, Mrs. Bailey had reached out to me by text, and she stated that she had found a guy who could, who actually was um, on our property, uh, measured, and could fix it. So my response to her was that you know we didn't appreciate having anyone on our property you know looking at anything without us talking about it but that we like we said initially we would um reach out to rose fence and get a quote since they are the ones who installed it Um, if you Mm -hmm. if you look at some of the photos that we have for you you'll see that um, our entire lot um, has a white fence and it was installed by rose fence so we wanted to make sure because we also have a warranty with them that we go with them to repair the damages. On November 6th, um, her, uh, Mr. Bailey reached out. He sent a text to my husband at about 640, 6.40 in the morning, basically saying to cease and desist any conversations with his wife and that um, um, uh, we are to just pretty much talk to him going forward. So what you see right there is a photo of that night of her mm-hmm. showing us exactly where um, she hit the fence. Um, so my husband responded back in a text that um, we, um, uh, that he is not to move forward with having anyone install um, our fence. Again, we would. Um, I can see things husband- are not going well here. So what happened?
2: Yeah. Did he go move forward? And again, get- I can see your, your, your look here, you're like shocked. At something you're looking at. So let's see what's happening. Um, ooh, and the police got called.
1: What happened? Go ahead. So um, on the 11th, I was in my bedroom working and I heard a noise. I looked out my window and I saw um, two men who I don't know who they are um, taking our fence post out and putting something in that we had no idea. We didn't approve it. And so I ran outside my husband was inside working at the time, and I immediately told him and the two gentlemen to stop what you're doing. I don't know who you are, and I didn't authorize this. And basically what you're doing is you're vandalizing my property. Um, he ran over. He said, stop speaking to um, them. Uh, they'll do what... Uh, and um,
5: I'm paying you. You do what I say. Right. Along those lines.
1: Right. So he told um, them to continue? And yes. did he they continue? Them- yes. They did. He also... Um, said that, um, do not speak to her, I'm paying you and you will do what I tell you to do. So they continued. Okay. I told him that if he didn't stop, I was going to call the police. He said, I don't care, do it. So we called the police. But before we even called the police, I think it's important to note that as I was trying to explain to him what was happening, he then proceeded to call me a B word and began yelling extremely vulgar and inappropriate comments about my husband. Um, And then he said that he wouldn't be speaking to me because I'm a woman. I was very upset because he he said, very upset because he said this in front of two men, his kids were there, his wife was there, and my young son was in earshot. So I was pretty upset about that. Um, The police came, we told them what happened, We showed them evidence that the fence belongs to us. The police asked him to stop. He said, "Um, I'm not going to do it. His exact words, and I I actually tried to write this down. He said um, he was not going to do it. Uh, the police um, asked me what I wanted to do by way of compromise, because clearly he was not going to stop. And they asked him if he knew that this, <laughs> this fence is This is to insanity. Me- I, I don't understand how the police didn't just tell him, stop touching her
2: fence. It's your fence. There's no question it's your fence, right? It's not his fence, right? Not at all. There's no question about yeah, that. No, all I'm right. Sure Let right. me hear from you, Mr. and Mrs. Bailey. Mrs. Bailey, the only thing I do know, the one thing that is uncontroverted is you accidentally hit the fence, right? Yes, Okay, accidents happen. Now, what I'd like to hear from Mr. Baileyon is, uh, did you know when you told her I'm not going to talk to you because you're a woman that your judge would be a woman?
6: Your, your Honor, Miss, Miss, the, the the lady that just spoke to you is the one that instructed me not to speak to her. She told me in a prior conversation. Well, her husband men
2: speak also. To men. Yeah.
6: Men speak to men. Women <laughs> speak to women. So after that juncture, Your Honor, she has no room to have conversations with me when it comes to anything at all. The person who should be speaking to me is her husband. I'm going by the directive given to me by that lady that just spoke to you.
2: Well, actually, it was a directive given to you by the husband, too, because I saw the text. So everyone's all touchy now, but that's exactly how it was set up. Let me just ask you a question, though, Mr. Bailey. I guess you found someone who could do the repair for less money than what rose was saying is that correct
6: that is correct your honor far way less than what rose was charging as a matter of fact your honor we got three coats which was significantly less than what rose fence was charging using the same exact material that rose fence would have used this material yeah but here's the thing
2: thickness Mm -hmm. of the the new post what is it that you're showing here
6: yeah. So it's it's the yeah. thickness of, of, of the, the, the post itself, Your Honor. It, it, I'm showing that it, the 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 one that came out of the out of the ground, the one that was damaged, is an eighth of an inch thick. The one that was the the one that was used to replace the damaged fence was an eighth of an inch thick. They are both the same thing.
2: I don't know that I can see that from these pictures, but I understand what you're trying to get me to see from the picture. Here's the thing, though. You know, when you... um, What ended up happening, Mr. Mercado? Did you guys end up... uh, Since your directive was to speak to you, um, I am going to now speak to you and tell me... Did you end up paying Rose to go ahead and replace
5: it? Yes. And we had to pay an additional $100 because now they had to break what was there, pull it out, and then replace it there was a cement base to it. So they had to charge right. extra, and pull out what was just put down, to put down the correct one.
2: I'm just curious, because according to Mr... B- aside from the fact that now there's bad blood between the neighbors, and that he wouldn't stop... You know, you told him, hey, I didn't authorize this, and then he's like, you do what I say and all this other stuff. What is the difference between the post that he got on the cheap and the post that you put in?
5: The main difference is, is it's exactly from the company that produced it and it's under warranty. So we didn't want anything else except exactly what was there because it would void the warranty. And we mentioned that to Mr. Bailey and he said, you can't have a warranty on a fence. It's on the back of it. It's clearly stated on it. it, it, Yeah, I don't
6: really, yeah, go ahead, Mr. Bailey. Your your Honor, can, can I say this, Your Honor? A lot of what you are being told right now is incorrect, okay? I have never seen that warranty I've been told about it and have somebody hold a document like this behind their head to say this is the (laughs) warranty. I'm saying, can I see it?
2: When you damage, let's say you had a car accident and you have a car that is pretty new and you want it to be repaired at the dealership. But the guy who hit you says, no, 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 I got Fast Eddie in the alley and he can fix it. And it'll look just so good because Fast Daddy's really good. My alley mechanic is the best. Ask anybody. It'll be exactly the same thing. Do you go to the alley mechanic or do you go to the dealership? You would think that the person who is aggrieved, the person whose property has been damaged, is the one who has the right to choose how it's going to be repaired. Right? You'd think it if you were the one whose property was damaged. The law is very clear on this. You don't get to pick how you fix something you damaged. He gets to have a reasonable repair. So if this repair was $10,000, he doesn't get $10,000, even if he paid it. But if I look at the repair and it looks reasonable to me, it is his option, her option, how to get it fixed. It's not your option. I am appalled that they're standing there saying, get off, stop touching our property, and you are saying to them, you do what I say because I paid you. Now you're going to pay twice. You paid those guys, and I'm going to order you to pay these folks because you don't get to jam the repair down their throats. $495 verdict for the plaintiff.
7: So the plaintiffs prevail. They're gonna get the four ninety-five that they sued for, Mr. Daly, the defendant. You've got a you've yes. got a real big disagreement going on with your neighbor. And, what about what's gonna happen cops, now the between cops, the two
6: of you? The cops the cops showed up, and when the cops showed up, you know what they told them? There's nothing that they could do. So all of the stuff that she was sitting there telling the judge is a fabrication. Okay? What is gonna happen now moving forward? They live there, I live here. Yeah. And it's gonna just be that. They live there, we live here, that's about it.
7: Okay, all right, I guess that's what it's gonna be like. Well, Mr. and Ms. Mikado, let me ask you how you feel about that?
6: It's sad,
5: it's really sad because at one time we were all very cool and it's sad, we're right next to each other, neighbors should be treating neighbors better. We would have their back.
7: Okay, well, congratulations, you have won the lawsuit and look, good luck to you, I hope you work it out with your neighbors to at least have a decent neighborly relationship, okay? Thank you very much, and congratulations.
8: When you're a tortfeasor, somebody who does something wrong to someone else, whether it's by accident or on purpose, and it comes time to face the music, you don't get to dictate the <laughs> terms, right?
2: Even if there wasn't a warranty, right. you still don't get to dictate how they are going to, re- you know, no. how you're going to repair no. their fence. Can you imagine? And that he would, over $100, $200. Right ruin a relationship right. with your neighbor, good make it awkward, bag. and now he gets to pay twice.
8: Right. Ugh.
2: And it's ridiculous, because he really, I, I don't know, I, I mean, the defendant is, like, kind of on another planet right. about what his rights are.
8: Right. Absolutely. He is yeah. completely wrong. Might be time to build that fence a little higher and a little longer. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, Jim wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. I own rental properties, and we're going to all electric vehicles in California. Um, who is responsible for adding charge port charging ports, me or the government? Well, first of all, there is not a requirement to have an electric vehicle in California yet. Uh, that may be the case, but not for several years, for sure. Uh, and it really, this is a negotiated point, uh, whether you are required to. Now, I will tell you this. The laws vary all around the country. You should check you know, go online and look under your state, California, put electric vehicles in charging ports responsibility. And you may see from state to state, there are differences, but generally this is a negotiated thing between the property owner and the renter. That will do it for this case litigants for the next case inside the courtroom.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done. Well, whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project,
3: This is the plaintiff, Gianna. She says she refuses to allow the defendant to rip her off by stealing her security deposit. She left the place in the same condition she received it. And now the defendant's turning around and ripping her off to the tune of $1,500. So she's suing. This is the defendant, Liat Mushloff. She says the house was super dirty and reeked of smoke when the plaintiff vacated. There were holes in the walls, dirty toilets, and the plaintiff left furniture behind. Oh, her? No way. She's accused of being a double-crosser.
4: All parties. Please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff says the defendant is ripping her off something awful, and she is not going to stand for it. But the defendant says she doesn't owe her former tenant a penny because the woman is a slob, and the place stunk to high heaven when she vacated. It's the case of double-cross stinker.
2: Thank you, Douglas. You're
4: welcome.
9: Okay, Ms. Gianna, tell me what's going on. So I uh, purchased our house, I should say closed on our house, on August 16th. and You didn't purchase a house, you sold the house. Sorry, correct, yes. Okay. Sold the All house, right. and we uh, closed the house on August 16th, and we left the house on October 17th. After the closing, we... Uh, Why didn't together you leave at closing? We were able to do a post-occupancy agreement... To stay in the house for okay. up to three months after we closed on the house, and we actually only okay. stayed for two months after the closing. All right, so once okay. we um did the uh, the closing, the we signed the close post- closing occupancy agreement, we signed the as is contract, we ended up leaving October 17th. Um, and in that time, not once did Liat and that matter um come to the house, look at the house, um, inspect the house. So when we left on October 17th, uh, we were going to meet up with, I was going to meet up with Liat and she did not meet with me. Uh, we tried to, uh, I tried to meet with her. Um, we had text messages going back and forth and it wasn't until October 19th, that Monday, when she said she would be there at the house. So I sat there and I waited and uh, did not hear from her. She said, uh, she finally got back to me and said that she had another appointment to go to. And then um She said she could be at the house later. Well, after that appointment, I never heard from her. It was close to 530 on that Monday. And I finally texted her and said, here's the code to the house. Please let me know. So at no point did we ever make an appointment to actually go through a walkthrough in the house. And uh, So there there was was no
2: walkthrough at the time of closing and there was no walkthrough when you moved out in October?
9: Correct. There was not.
2: All right. Is that correct, Ms Machluf? and what is your uh, what did you ever do a walkthrough either at the time of the closing for the sale or uh, at the time of that they vacated with them?
10: So we wanted to do a walkthrough when they vacant the property. I actually texted Gianna. she only answered me a day after. And then eventually, on October 19, she texted me that she can meet with me. Um, Only 40 minutes after I said I'm going to be there, she texted me back. We went back and forth. And then when I wanted to do the walkthrough with her, she just texted me that she will not be able to be there and that I should let myself in. And I did the walkthrough by myself. They couldn't come.
2: Did you do a walkthrough at the time of closing?
10: No, we had the inspection, and then after the inspection, the when we signed the post-occupancy agreement, we signed that they're going to leave the property in the condition that we got it. We assume the condition that we got... In the condition that the it was in
2: at closing. That's what it said, in the condition it was in at closing. That's that's what it says, but then nobody does a walkthrough at closing. So you were operating in the capacity of... Um, of a realtor and representing the buyer, is that it?
10: Yes, I'm the realtor.
2: Okay, so now when you go in there, according to you, you're not gonna return the security deposit,
10: why? So when, when, when I got to the property, I noticed garbage outside the property. When I, went, when I went in the property, first thing I noticed was a heavy smell of smoke in the property, I actually had to open all the windows to get some fresh air in the property. Then, when walking in the property, I saw another garbage heavy duty apply uh, uh, furniture in the property that they didn 't take out uh, Then I noticed holes on the walls again in the inspection it doesn 't say that it has holes, only one and then when well, but the, in the see, property, the inspection
2: happens... The, stop, stop, stop. The inspection happens when people are still living there. The holes happen when people move out and they take their TVs and everything else. Ten. Wow, you guys really left this place filthy.
10: In their contract, they have to leave Ms. the property... Ms. Gianna, you clean left it condition.
2: really filthy. In their Ten, contract,
10: what? They have to leave the property in a clean condition while appliances is working, the lawn is cut, the pool is maintenance. It's all of those stuff never happened. They even left pee in the toilet. OK, I'm let's sorry, see
2: about that. We're talking about the the contract. It is understood that seller shall vacate the property and deliver possession and the property shall be left in clean condition with all appliances in working order. Um, I think that we can all agree that you didn't particularly leave it in a very clean condition. Can we
9: not? Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely agree with that. Um, it was a fixer-upper. In fact, you left
2: your bedroom upper. furniture and a bunch of garbage behind for them, didn't you?
9: The basketball hoop was left there. Um, right, that's, that's
2: a hassle the, for someone else to take out. And what about the bedroom but, furniture? You left that behind?
9: The bedroom furniture, and I wish, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have the text messages to back any of this up, but the text message I left on October 19th, she went in the house, she said, you left the furniture here. I said, yes. Somebody was supposed to come by and pick that up, but they didn't, unfortunately. Is that okay? And she never responded to me. So I would yeah, have not okay. more than happy. I know, but she didn't say that. If it's not okay, I would have come back I, and I, I, No, but see, up.
2: no, you're not understanding. It's your job to get it out of there. If that person hadn't picked it up by the time you moved out, you don't get to leave it there for that person to pick it up because this can happen.
4: Welcome back to the People's Court. Well, these two litigants didn't get along and they are not getting along in court. Let's listen.
2: So now let me go through the kinds of things that caused you to keep the deposit. There's a, uh, according to you, there's a baseboard that was missing. And according to you, Ms. Gianna, that baseboard was always missing.
10: Mm-hmm. According to our inspection, they, there were a few pieces of baseboard that are missing, but I was not talking only about them. Few baseboard were loose, the other ones were missing, not only the ones that were in the inspection report.
2: How are you gonna prove that? How are you gonna prove that there's more baseboards missing? What did they do, rip baseboards out to bother you? I mean, that, that doesn't make sense, that we know baseboards were missing, according to the report, right? So how is it you're going to prove that they ripped out more baseboards? Tell me, do you have pictures showing that at the time of inspection, it only looked one way? You know where you made the mistake? You're very thorough, but you made one mistake, which is not doing a walkthrough on the day of the closing. You needed to do a walkthrough and video everything on the day of the closing. The occupancy agreement says that they're going to give it to you the way it looked on the day of the closing, you know? And I, I understand why you did it. They still had their stuff there, but this is why you can't do this. This is why you need people out and you can't do favors for people because this is the kind of thing that comes up. Invariably, it comes up. Um, let's go over the rest of the stuff. According to you, they left the furniture. That's definitely you're right about that. And boxes in the shed and an outdoor basketball net, you are definitely right about that. The, uh, when they removed the TV... You had to replace the drywall and paint the, the inside, which cost 2700 You can't take that out of, out of their stuff because there's nothing in the as-is contract for the sale of the house that says that they have to patch up the holes from the things that you can see are nailed in and, and screwed in when you bought the house. So you, you don't get Your that. Your Honor. That means that what you had to pay to remove the garbage from the place, which you say was $775 yeah. that you guys are entitled to, and... The plaintiff is entitled to $725 back. I am ruling uh, in your favor in the amount of $725. Ms. Gianna, good luck to everybody. Thank you.
7: Ms. Mushloff, you you realize you should have done the walkthrough right after they left. You realize that was a mistake, right?
10: Yes. I will respect the judge's decision. I truly believe that they would have to, they had to pay for the full amount, which is not a lot compared to what my client really paid for her loss in the property.
7: All right. Well, that's the judge's decision. You're going to have to live with it. Miss Gianna, let me ask you, you feel kind of bad about all the stuff you left there? I mean, she said you didn't even, one of the toilets hadn't even been flushed when you left. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I'm actually
9: Yeah, I'm actually still not sure how that actually happened, because I can promise you when I left that wasn't like that. However, I do feel bad that things were left that way, because it was my home for four years. But it was a fixer-upper, so she knew what she purchased.
7: All right, very good. Thank you very much. That's the judge's decision.
8: defendant in this case made a critical error by not establishing a baseline from which somebody, a judge, could determine on a later date Um, Were things left in the right condition or were they not left in the right condition?
2: Right, because the rental agreement for the two months said you have to leave it the way it was at closing and no one knows how big it was at closing. Big <laughs> <things> mystery <were> closing. <laughs> but, you know, it's hard. I understand why the defendant didn't, you know, may not have been uh, that keen on doing it because it's hard because the people are still there. That's why you can't, right. you can't it, grace them with your generosity. I
8: got the impression you're not a big fan Man, of post occupancy. Get out. Uh, Just get occupancy.
2: out and I, I want you out and I right. want to see exactly what I'm getting right. before. Before I sign the papers and get it.
4: So Jim wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, if one gets stopped for whatever reason by the police, is it illegal to refuse removing your mask or face shield? Asking for a friend, LOL. Well, look, if the police tell you that you got to remove your mask so they can ID you and they're standing, you know, far away from you and they have a mask on, you got to comply. I mean, they, they do that for a reason, because they have to identify you, and if you've given them your driver's license, they're going to compare the driver's license to your face, and you got to show your face. That will do it for this case. Litigants for the next case, inside the courtroom.
3: This is the plaintiff, Talisha Green. She says she purchased a sick puppy from the defendant and the woman won't give her her money back. She's not about to allow this lady to rip her off and is suing for the $5,000 she's now owed. This is the defendant, Janice Pachinsky. She says she delivered a perfectly healthy 10-week-old puppy to the plaintiff. And she isn't responsible if she got sick while under the plaintiff's care. This woman slandered her good name on social media. And if anyone's owed money today, it's certainly not the plaintiff. She's accused of selling a sickly pooch. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $6,077.98 for slander and puppy babysitting.
4: All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says the defendant sold her a sickly puppy and now won't give her a refund. But the defendant says the pup was perfectly healthy when the plaintiff took it, and if it got sick under her care, that's her problem. It's the case of one sick puppy.
2: Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Green, uh, you were in the market to buy a Yorkshire Terrier. And how was it that you found Ms. Pochinski?
11: I found her on a Yorkie group on Facebook.
2: All right. So you make a plan that you're going to buy one of the puppies. It was an 11-week-old puppy? Yes. Okay. So you buy the puppy and the pu- you pay $1,250 for the dog. So what happens after you get the
11: puppy? You name the puppy? Yes, I named the puppy before she we actually meet met because I paid my deposit and sent a few payments um, before I actually got the dog. And she asked me what name did I want to name the puppy, and I told her Bella.
2: So you name her Bella, you have the puppy, and a couple of days after Bella gets to you, what happens?
11: I noticed that she wasn't eating as much. Um, and I reached out to Janice, and I told her, like, Bella wasn't eating as much, and Janice told me, um, just as long as she's having bowel movements, she's fine.
2: Okay, and what happens after that?
11: Two days after, um, Bella got sick to where um, she would move. She was drooling at the mouth. So you took Bella to the vet, correct? Yes. Okay.
2: So, Ms. Green, what did the vet tell you was wrong with the puppy?
11: She told me it was her sugar.
2: Now the dog is at the vet, and what did they do for $1,250?
11: They gave her sugar. Uh, they didn't give me much information after because I signed that Janice can take over because she had to pay agreed to pay the. Um, okay, Ms. Pachinsky, what deal. was it that the vet
2: did? Hold on one second, Ms. Green and Ms. Pachinsky. Let me turn to you. What was it the vet did that was one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars?
12: They did quite a few different glucose glucose tests on the puppy, um, hospitalization, the nursing care. They put a um, they put an IV in her neck. Um, down into her heart because she was so dehydrated that they needed to get her hydrated. Um, they they bolused her with dextrose um, to bring her glucose up, and then it was an overnight visit okay. for care.
2: So, wow. All right. So now, Ms. Green didn't have the money for that, and the two of you make a second verbal contract. And tell me what the terms of that
12: was. Um, I agreed to pay the vet bill for her and take Bella back home. And then she was going to pay me back the vet bill in full. And at that point, once the bill was paid, I would return her to to Talisha.
2: Okay, so everybody's happy, everybody's compromising. And what goes wrong? Because she was, did you have like a time limitation within which she had to pay?
12: Um, No, we didn't.
2: Okay, so at some point, you decide that you are going to return Bella even though she hasn't finished paying, right?
12: Yeah, I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt um, and have faith that she would do the right thing and pay. But it was on September 28th was the last time she made a payment. And then October 26th was when I decided I didn't think it was a good idea for Bella to go back. So there was that really large gap where she had made no payments. Um, She did say she had family things going on, which I do understand. But at you know at what point do you have to hold up your end of the agreement?
2: Well, here's the thing, though. It's hard to say she breached an agreement when you've admitted that there was no time limitation, which is kind of nuts. I mean, you really should have a time limitation if time is of the essence for you then you have to have a time limitation. But she didn't expect you to pull the rug out from under her. You made the decision that you wanted Bella to go to a different home. She had paid, by the way, how much towards the bill? She had paid $250, right? Yes, ma'am. I care a lot about the homes my puppy go to, and I had to do what was right for this dog's health. After this, I felt, and I still feel, that it was in the best interest of the puppy not to go back to the plaintiff. I guess you kind of felt she was irresponsible.
12: I do, because she did. I feel like she didn't properly care for the puppy. The day that the puppy went to the, the vet, it went to the vet in Orland Park, Illinois, which isn't even at her home. So she had taken this brand new puppy that she'd only had for a week to Illinois and dropped it off with um, her mother-in-law, I believe, where there was another dog and a strange place and strange people for the puppy and then went out. And when she came back is when the puppy, she found out that the puppy wasn't moving and it was sick and took it to the premier vet in Illinois. So that seems really irresponsible to me. Um, and I kind of feel like if you don't have, if you don't have the money to, you know, care for the puppy, because in the long run, these dogs cost a lot of money. Like they have health issues. They have things that come up. You have to be able to pay these things. So if she didn't have, the funds to pay for it, and she didn't seem to have the funds to pay me back, then to me, it does seem irresponsible.
2: How is it that you informed Ms. Green that she would not get the puppy back? Like, how did that go down?
12: Um, she said that she didn't understand and that she wanted the puppy. And I told her I felt like I had been taken advantage of because I did sell her a healthy puppy. There was nothing wrong with a puppy before. There's not been anything wrong with a puppy after. She had to you know, watch the puppy and if something had come up, she should have come to, went to her vet and taken the puppy to the vet right away when she noticed something. And so it got so bad that the the puppy's blood sugar was 23 and it was almost, it had almost died.
4: Welcome back to the People's Court. Wow, this puppy had such low blood sugar, it almost died. So who's responsible? Let's find out.
2: You have an agreement with her, and the agreement is you pay this back and I will return the puppy. Then at some point you decide, you know what, I'll just return the puppy. And then at some point you decide, you know what, you don't deserve a puppy. You know, you may have felt that that's what was in the best interest of the dog, as you say, but it's not your property, it's her property. And I understand you didn't do it from selfish reasons, I get that. But there's a consequence to you deciding to breach a contract. This is a contracts case for me. I know we all love our pets like they're humans, and we all, you know, we feel much emotional pain and suffering, but this is, you suing for $3,500 for pain and suffering, Ms. Green, there's no pain and suffering in a contracts case. This is a piece of property, I hate saying that, but that's how the law views pets, and you were supposed to give it back when she finished paying you, and if you decided not to stick by that, then you decided not to stick by that. And that may be, in the scheme of morality, the best thing for that puppy because she does sound like maybe she was leaving a brand new puppy in a strange environment, you know, which isn't done. I don't know how much she knows about puppies, but it's not really your place to judge the home after you've sold it. So if you turn around and decide that, then it's on you. And now she's out 12 50 for the dog and 250 for the vet bills. It's not a wash for you to change the plan. She's out 1250 and 250 and she's got no dog to show for it. When she expected to have a dog to show for it as soon as she finished paying you, which you interrupted and did not allow to happen because you had no time limitation on this thing. Now you have a counterclaim against her for six grand for what?
12: I had for the remainder of the vet
2: bill for lost revenue from puppy sales. What do you mean by that? How did she make you lose revenue for puppy sales?
12: Um, she posted all of our private messages on social media. Um, the same the same social media site that uh, she reached out to me from. And then I had people...
2: Oh, she wasn't lying uh, then. Messages. She was showing exactly what the messages were, right? She was, she was truthfully saying what her perspective of your dealings were. You're also suing for boarding, uh, missed work, 12 hours of driving, puppy food, puppy care. These are things that happen to you because you change the deal you have. On your counterclaim against her, zero. And on her claim against you, you don't get pain and suffering, but I agree with you that you certainly get all the money that you put into the dog back. And that would be $1,500 verdict for the plaintiff. Good luck, folks. Thank
7: you. So the plaintiff gets $1,500 back. Ms. Paczynski, you've got the dog, but you've got to give her $1,500. What are you thinking about it, the decision? How about that?
12: Um, I think that the plaintiff was irresponsible and had you been more responsible with the puppy, we wouldn't have had any of these issues at all. Okay,
7: well, anyway, that's the judge's verdict. You're gonna to have to live with that one. Ms. Green, how, how, about, how about you?
11: Yes, I'm happy about it um, because I was out of $1,500 and the dog.
7: You still want a dog, right? You don't have one, you want another one?
11: Yes, I'm gonna get another one because it affected my kids, but don't get another one.
7: All right, well, good luck on your search.
8: The dog breeder in this case, Ms. Pachinski, she strikes a deal when the puppy gets sick and things kinda of go sideways, and then she just unilaterally, on her own, said, oh, I'm changing the deal, effectively, right? And said, uh, you know, change my mind kinda of thing. You just can't do that.
2: No, you can't, and uh, I think the real problem is that she didn't have a time limit.
8: You're right, and, and in fact, this whole situation could've been remedied by that. If she had put a time limit, then if the plaintiff genuinely didn't have the cash to make up the $1,250 vet bill, the plaintiff would have breached the agreement and forfeited the puppy. If the plaintiff
2: agrees, I'll pay you by X date, and she didn't, then it would have been the plaintiff breaching the agreement, and then she could just keep the puppy and not return a penny. But she made a deal that was, you know, God bless her, in the interest of saving the dog's life, and she drove all the way over there and everything else, but that's your deal, that's a deal you struck and you're stuck with it, and so you had to wait until she could, you know, get, you don't get to decide, I'm never gonna give you that puppy back.
8: No, 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 and you know, and sometimes these cases are about principle or about, you know, what's in your heart, and sometimes they're all about the Benjamins and just, you know, you're out a lot of money. In this case, honestly, I think I'm kinda leaning towards that the defendant really was worried about the puppy
4: too.
2: Oh, I agree.
4: She was just worried about the puppy more than anything. So Bill wants to know this, hey Harvey, uh, I've been watching the people's court since the beginning. Wow, you're old. Uh, If an auto mechanic gives a car a clean bill of health, you buy it and it's a lemon, can you hold the mechanic liable for everything? Yes, you can if they were negligent in the way they evaluated the car. Now they have to be negligent if it's something that was hidden that they wouldn't reasonably find, you're out of luck. But if they could have found it and didn't, guess what, you got a case.